nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled and extra spooky edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me this week, Sir Michael Livesley, we have... Um, oh, you in this shirt, you've got John Nathan Carmichael, I think. Oh, I. You I, I was out. Bef- well, I was out before in, my, in the full winter get-up. But it's one of those strange days. It's come beautifully wintry, hasn't it? So I'm out there yeah. and I've got, I've got the herringbone coat out of the wardrobe. Oh. That's, yeah, out we go with that. So there was that. There was the jumper, the Swedish uh, detective lesbian jumper. Red scarf and hat. And I went out and I had a jolly nice tramp along the beach. But it was also roasting hot. So mm. when I got back, I just had to completely strip down because I was <laughs> horrendously hot. Disrobed. Disrobed. It seems absolutely. like you've uh, lost a little hair as well, dear. Have you been out and got freshly sconed? I did. I popped to the Turkish barber chap and I ah. said, do that thing I'm scared of. Flamey. Basically, yes, he did. Um, but I find <sighs> it's good to have a, a winter beard rather than a hungover autumn beard. So. I, I've got a winter beard at the moment. It's, it is a Hungarian hungover beard because I, yes. can't, I can't really cut it with, with one arm at the minute. Um, I suppose I could do uh, like Dennis Price in um, The Rebel. Brown Ooh. river, strong river deep. Well, he's, uh, he's doing the Picasso. Not Picasso. Was it, was it Dali who had <coughs> Tasha or was it Picasso? It's Dali, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Dali. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm doing. I, I, I didn't fancy a Dennis Price. Um, no. I had one just before I popped on, anyway, dear. Um, <laughs> so um, we were uh, we were doing the. I'm going to commit the ultimate crime now of broadcasting and and mention us discussing things uh, before before yes. I started before we went on air as mm. such. And we were just discussing. Excuse me, I just turn you up a little bit. I can't hear you. Uh, we were just discussing. How uh, when we were kids, Halloween was kind of verboten. Really, it wasn't a big deal, was it? You know, no. I mean, you go everywhere now. I mean, I walk down the road here, and there are like lots of people have got pumpkins on the doorstep. One house has got silhouettes in the window, the sticky on things. One of which is a man brandishing a chainsaw, which is just <laughs> like, oh, this is this will oh. this will cheer up the kiddies. Um, All Hallows Eve, here it comes. All oh, Hallows Eve. So for us, for me, um, yeah. certainly, it was kind of, there was a conflation more or less with Bonfire Night, which I think is about a week later, the 5th of November. Mm. Um, but but it's strange, isn't it, all these words that we have going back, because Bonfire, Bonefire, the yeah. the Bonefire thing goes back way beyond the 5th of November. So so there's a, there's a whole pagan, a ritualistic thing there. Uh, the Halloween turnip, of course, comes from the practice of using skulls and putting uh, candles inside them. So it mm. goes it goes back even further. Um, but Halloween, yeah, pumpkins, no, turnips, yes. I used to trash me mum's spoons, scooping the bloody turnips out, you know, trying to get them hollowed out. So it was something that you would have se- I mean, celebrated the right word, but yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have been, but not in the way that it's done now, presumably. No, because um, it was more a case of then it was everything was non-commercial really wasn't it you know growing mm. up in the 70s and 80s we were still in that fag end certainly where i grew up where it was like the 19th century um yeah. 
but uh, Halloween, so what did we have? I can remember having, because it, it brings me in mind of power cuts, because I can remember we used to have candles, because it was the 70s. So I remember mm. having sort of like a chopped down bit of candle rammed in the turnip. It was a turnip we used instead of pumpkins, which are right. a son of a bitch to carve out, obviously, because the solid bloody things. Yeah. Um, and the uh, what, what I scooped out the middle instantly went in the pan with carrot for me, uh, for me mum to mash up for carrot and turnips for with the Sunday dinner. So I remember mm. the turnip, but I remember um, much more um, the sort of, again, it's the sort of the dark nights, isn't it? It's it's a will-o'-the-wisp vibe, really. It's interesting, that, a will-o'-the-wisp vibe, because ju- as you were talking there, I was thinking there were, there were so many programmes which... Out of the blue, it seems, all all around the same time, about 1981 or so, suddenly did Halloween specials. Mm. And this felt to me to be quite a new thing. Yeah. Um, and one of those was the Will-O-The-Wisp Halloween right. episode, which is just called yeah. Halloween. Um, it's a lovely, normal episode, but I, I remember, because of my upbringing, I was terrified of this one particular episode. And, yeah, that one, no, didn't like that one particularly. Uh, I... I remember you just, it's strange us talking. I remember that we made, and I loved it, really. I loved this thing we made in school. We got, do you remember when egg boxes used to fold over at the end with another two egg cuppy things? That's and, right, yeah. And it had closed them. So yeah. what you did was you got that and opened it up and then held it so that the the two underneath with holes in them, if you remember, that that, that closed the box, we, we made them into, so it was like a little pair of binoculars, if you can imagine that. Yeah. You get what I mean? Okay. It's sort of like yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're looking at the thing. And then inside, we made like our little, uh, like a graveyard scene. We made this in school. So with sellotape, you stuck all these gravestones. So it's like you were looking into a, a, a graveyard. That was quite, quite jolly. No, that sounds quite jolly. I can remember with those making, I can remember making crocodiles. We used with to them things, yeah, that's right. Quite yeah, yeah. I don't remember ever doing a graveyard scene though. No, um, that was uh, that was Miss Critchley, who in year one was lovely. Well, year seven they call it now, um, but in uh, first year, oh no, they don't do they. What's what's junior school? Right, junior school. Hang on, uh, is reception one, two, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Right, yeah. well, in the first year of juniors, Miss Critchley was lovely, but by the final year, when we had her again, she was horrendous. She'd hung around with the bastards too long that she oh. worked with. So when she started off, she was cool, but by the yeah. end of school, she was an arsehole. Right, um, right. So, um, yeah, um, Halloween uh, with you. I mean, uh, it, did it differ? I suppose that maybe it differed for Protestants in terms of... Um, I suppose with you being secular, secular more or less, you didn't you didn't particularly care. Well, I mean, it wasn't that we didn't care. I think that there was a, a fear, a genuine fear, and it, it comes about when the commercialization starts. Which I think is the early eighties. That's when yeah. we start to get that influence. And certainly uh, in in my house, I can remember that the the two reasons um, why this caused a problem were one, Satan, obviously. Yes. Bit of a worry when he might be around. So one was Satan, and two, it's American. Oh, yes. now the, the combination of those two things meant that Halloween was not welcome uh, yes. in our house. Um, and I went. I, I was in the Cubs uh, around this time, and uh, where was I? St. Stephen's Church in Liverpool. Um, and there was a, they had a Halloween night, and they did apple ducking and things like that. And I can remember... My family weren't best pleased with this because it was happening in a church hall. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think what you've got to think of here is people who 
wouldn't so much have read, you know, King James's Bible. They would have read, however, you know, that book he wrote about how to burn witches properly. That's that's more my upbringing, I think, with, with yeah. that sort of thing. So we avoided it um, quite a lot. In fact, I avoided it entirely, maybe until I was about 16 or so. And I was very much, it was suggested to me, it was something to be afraid of. Whereas these mm. days... Give me a graveyard and I'm quite happy. You know, I've told you many a time, if I've got a graveyard to sit in, oh, that's a nice hour past. I'm, yeah. I'm happy doing that now. So I think Halloween possibly means more to me now as an adult than it did when I was a child. But it means things to me in that more traditional way. It's going back to that folk horror sort of idea yeah. of, of, you know, not not frigging chainsaw massacre people. No, dreadful. But the country, the countryside, the legends, the stories, the weather, all yeah. all of that coming together. And yes. Yeah. And, and elemental. That, the elemental. Elemental. Yeah. And that slide, that slow slide into into winter, which is never a bad thing. Well, there's the I think it's this time. I think it's called the Persid Meteor Storm. Is that right? That we go through That's at it. this time of year. We do. Yes. And so there's a theory, isn't there? That you know the 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 one I'm very keen on, as you know, that we've we've had uh, a lost civilization on this planet prior to us, which is where all the all your sort of flood stories come from and all your ancient stories. Um, and and one of the theories is that uh, this occurred. A, a meteor from the Persid meteor stream struck the Earth and more or less finished civilization at the end and ended the last ice age, um, mm. which is I think called the Younger Dryas. I'm not sure, um, but um, they reckon that that mass extinction event is what led to the the sort of birth of Halloween in the human consciousness, if you know what I mean, this mass die-off, because mm. we were struck by a meteor during the Persid meteor shower, uh, which ended the previous civilization, and it, it sort of percolated through human memory as Halloween, which I, I think is quite an interesting theory. I, I love that, that idea of, you know, that there is, because we've got this common mythology. I mean, the, the flood myth happens mm. in just about every... Every religion, every society that's even the ones who have gone a long time ago. And the ago, geographical yes. record backs it up. Well, absolutely. The geological um, geography. Yeah, but, and that was found, um, there was one, um, oh God, it's about 5,000, are you talking about 5,000 years ago here? No, it's about, they, they say it's about 12,000 years ago, 12 to 15, the end of the, the last ice age. Right, because about 5,000 years ago, there was a tsunami that um, hit down south in, in the UK, in the Wash. Um, and it was, I must try and find out more, because this is going to be worthless. But you can Google it, and there has been a very good yes. documentary. Um, so uh, there was a tsunami that hit the Wash, and the, there's the evidence of that there. So it's just, you know, this this common shared mythology, isn't it? A bit like, which I is a reason I love Quatermass and the Pit. Yeah. Because you've got that idea of, of race memory, as they call it. Things that we know yeah. to be scared of, but we don't know specifically why. That sort yes. of thing. We are scared of floods naturally, but na natural instinct is caused by something, generally it's, speaking. It's definitely, there was definitely some kind of mass extinction uh, event, because that is where you get all the, the megafauna die off, don't you? The giant, mm. you know, the giant birds, the giant lions, the, the mammoths, everything just about 12,500 years ago just disappears. It all mm. goes overnight, and there's that, I think it's a photograph in uh, Siberia in the 1890s where, you know, that whole mountainside collapses and it's just mammoth 
Um, yes. But you've, there's also a photograph of a market in London, which is just specialising in mammoth ivory. And it's like this room, this huge room of mammoth tusks. There's so much of it, you know. So something caused everything to die off very quickly, you know. Mm. Um, and and the megaphone is the definite sort of, um, you know, calling card. Because... That's 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 what I believe anyway. I believe there was a civilization prior to this one um, that was wiped out at the end of the last ice age, and and the fossil record sort of backs that up as well. You know, there's that there's that line, isn't there, around the Earth of of burn, like the, you know, there's, there's that dark Earth layer in geology. I'm I'm that's not right, that yeah. well up on on what's what, but it's fascinating, isn't it, to think that everything that we regard as ancient is is just people picking up the pieces, you know, and these ancient books that we have are kind of fragmentary uh, memories of catastrophe, really. Absolutely, yeah. These little glimpses back into the past, which, you know, which which is for me what makes religion interesting. I can mm. leave the dogma, but the 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 similar memories, the shared stories, that I find those fascinating. Well, the Always metaphor that's it. in the Bible is is very sort of prescient. I think that we were taught it literally, you see. Mm. But sort of within all these Bible stories, there's actually some decent advice for living. You know what yeah. I mean? I think I think that that was the idea behind the book originally. But of course, people have their own agendas when they get old of, of texts and stuff like that. Mm. But there's a there's a great. I mean, if you if you've ever heard of Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, which is twelve and a half thousand years old, uh, which they tried to say was two and a half thousand years old, but they've realised it isn't. So this is a huge underground complex. You know, city mm. upon city upon city underground. They had farms down there. They had cattle down there. They had fresh air. They had running water so there's a reason that people were, were had this need to go and hide you mm. know and there's many theories because it's always at the end of the ice age 12 and a half some some cataclysm caused the end of the ice age and like i say the theory is that during this persid meteor shower thwock one of them hit the earth caused i mean it, the flood the, the the evidence of the flood there's um if you go into the desert in the u.s i think it's nevada desert i'm not sure but you know when you're on your little walk on the beach when you see all those ripples in the sand because yeah. that's where the tide comes in and out every day and it for, it forms it doesn't it every day mm. uh those little ripples in the nevada desert i'll probably be wrong and it's not the nevada <laughs> desert but it's one of the deserts in the u.s those ripply things are 40 feet high right and they are still there. So the water that must have rushed across that land, the speed yeah. of it. So something massive happened. Anyway, so the extension of that, people say, is that Halloween is the kind of the race memory, the the uh, the sort of the commemoration of that calamity. Hmm. It's as good an explanation as any. I quite like it. It'll do. I, I don't mind that. So, but but let's. What about around the edges? Let's go around the edges. Sum up mm. Halloween. What does it smell like? What does it look like? It to smells you? like burning wax in a turnip. For right. me, that's definitely what it turns. You see, for me, they're all conflated memories like that with bonfire night. Mm. You see, no, you're right. They're, the they edges are, so are blurred. Close. Yeah. Now, well, bonfire they're exactly night. a week apart, aren't they? Aren't yeah, they? bonfire no, night. Days. Now that that was something that we, of course, we did celebrate. And heavily well, we'll naturally. save that. We'll do a bonfire night chat. We next shall. Week. But, oh, so much to say about that. But Halloween Absolutely. wise, no, just that pure hmm, fear. I think it was. I think it was fear. Uh, yeah, we were definitely we were definitely encouraged to be scared 
Mm. There was that whole thing about, uh, and they do that now, don't they? I mean, it is all about the fear. But nothing, yes. there was no TV specials. I mean, I, I, I was sort of wondering whether to dig some comics out to see if they bothered with Halloween. Um, but my memory is that you always got a, um, the Whoopi forever did this Sky Fox mask that you cut out. You know, you went to yeah. stick it to cardboard. But I don't remember the rest of them doing Halloween. No, no, I don't think they did particularly. When was K9 and Company? That wasn't Halloween, was it? No, no, that was Christmas, wasn't it? However, for me, one of the key things that I think of with Halloween is that uh, I didn't get to see, I didn't get to see that, and I don't know why. Um, I've just been looking up as well to see what Mister Spectator was making of ah, Halloween, Halloween, seventeen forty-seven. Absolutely nothing. He's 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 shouting about. Oh, apparently uh, things are awful and the world is leading and Britain is following and this isn't good enough. But it doesn't seem to have anything about Satan and all his little wizards, I'm afraid. Uh, so we can assume it wasn't particularly popular in 1747, nor was it particularly popular in 1979. No, because you see... The big thing on the uh, lenticular calendar, dear boy, mm. uh, not the lenticular, the, uh, oh, what's the one that's all all the year round, doesn't matter, um, is All Gregorian? Saints Day on, on November 1st. Yeah. No, Gregorian. All Saints Day on November 1st was much more important to mm. us lot when I went to school. That was the big service at the church. Well, go on, because we didn't have that. I mean, we would recently have had Harvest, of course, which would have been the last yeah. sort of big thing we'd have done at church, but we yeah. didn't have All Saints Day. We didn't have Day. All Saints Day? No. All right, so Not that's November no. 1st, isn't it? So so yeah. All Hallows' Eve is All Saints' Eve. All Hallows. Okay. All, all, so, so I suppose in the old days, All Saints' Day was All Hallows' Day. Mm. So All all Hallows' Eve became Halloween didn't it yeah um so yeah i don't think uh i don't think anybody's put anything uh, any kind of plastic stickers in the window for all Hall- all saints day down the road here i don't um, think so no but um yeah that was it was sort of like i suppose the celebration of the of the dead of, of the the dead people again wasn't it of saints who've been sort of burnt at the stake and and all these things that happened to them. You see, we had the English martyrs. I, where I grew up, I grew up uh, in a place that the 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 uh, the boy Edmund Arrowsmith as a boy, Saint Edmund Arrowsmith, he roamed the fields where I grew up. Uh, and every year we used to have to all kneel at the front of the altar, and they'd bring round Edmund Arrowsmith's black hand in a plastic case that they'd retrieved from the fire when he was burned at the stake. You see, so we had to kiss this plastic box with a black hand in it. It was horrible. <laughs> that sounds awful. It, oh it was horrible, and it? it looked like the hand of fear. That's what I'm picturing. Right, yeah. now then, was it really his hand, or have we got one of those times, like with, you know, there's there's about 300 churches in the UK that claim they've got a bit of Jesus' foreskin. Yeah. Have yeah. we got yeah. a similar situation? Because a whole hand of a saint, that's... I cool. tend to... Well, I mean, let's put it this way. It happened mm. 400 years ago, right? right? So, so you know, the hand was never corrupted. That's what mm. we're told, because he's a saint. Um... I wonder if uh, if we could go today. I wonder if we could go and look at this hand. Um, we probably could. It used to be kept in St Oswald's Church in Ashton in Makerfield. Um, right. So uh, I grew up 
when I grew up in Haydock, there was a church called English Martyrs. And so yeah. obviously St. Edmund Arrowsmith was a big deal because he was from Haydock. Um, and the road that I walked down to get to school was Arrowsmith Road, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, so every year we had to kiss this hand anyway. And like I say, it was horrible. It was this f- black, black dead hand in a, a, I think it was Perspex the box, you know? But um, was it really his hand? Well, God knows. They could have replaced it in 1894 for all we know. Who knows? But, okay. That's, I mean, this is where I sometimes get baffled when when we're talking about, our. we live geographically so close. Yeah. I was never given the opportunity to kiss a dead man's hand. No, absolutely not. That would have not. been well cool. I would have been well up for that. I would oh, have yeah, that. yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yes. it was just, there was a lot of bizarre things like that. We had a lot of strange reliquary. I mean, mm. like I often say, it was like growing up in the 19th century where I grew up. It's so strange to think now about how these communities survived virtually untouched through to, I suppose, about the 90s or something. Yeah. You know? But when I yeah. was growing up in the 1970s and 80s, it was still very much, I don't think very much changed in yeah. a couple of hundred years. I mean, certainly not uh, from a religious point of view, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I certainly, religious-wise, I remember when uh, the idea of um, the Chris Stingle came in and all of a sudden there were, you had to get an orange and someone had stuck cocktail sticks in it um, with uh, jelly tots stuck on the sticks and a candle sticking out the top, and then you had to walk into church with it. That felt dangerously modern to me. I Gosh, I don't remember peculiar. that at all. No, I, do you know what? I, I'd love to find out when that happened, because there is a, a lovely 1974 episode of Crossroads right? where they go to church... And um, Jill says she's stood there holding this bloody orange and going, oh, I don't know what this means. And Ronnie Allen gives her a lecture with his, the Benson and Hedges going, remember when Christ ruled the world? They oh, Ronnie, Jesus wouldn't have approved of that level of smoking. But yeah, so it seems to have been a very new thing that was introduced maybe in the 70s. But well, Jesus I don't know why, approved. by the Jelly Tots marketing board, whoever made those Macintosh or someone. Uh, Jesus would have approved of the level of smoking that St. Edmund Arrowsmith went through, obviously, because it confirmed his faith. Well, and absolutely. opened the gates of heaven. Why? Yeah, um, but, but not to his hand. That is a bizarre thing, this orange thing. I, I've... I, this sort of rings a bell, but I don't remember it. Um, yeah. It's a strange thing. It's yeah. a bit like an advent crown, which I think was probably invented by Blue Peter. Um, but did you ever see the advent crown with no. not watching the show? Well, the advent crown was a fascinating one where they'd get, you got two metal coat hangers. and you <laughs> put, yeah. Oh, this gets quite bad though. You, you make them into a cross and then you'd use tinsel to tie them together. So you had an X-shaped... Um, sort of two uh, coat hangers together, then you'd wrap this tinsel all the way around it, all over it. Yeah. Bit of fishing wire uh, to suspend it from somewhere. And then you'd balance four lit candles on the bloody thing. And that was your advent crown. Wow. Now, that is a massive health hazard, surely to God. But, uh, yeah, Blue Peter used to make one. I don't know if they still... Maybe they still do. Um, unlikely. Um, for years. And I was always saying to my mum, can we make an advent crown? She's like, no, we'll all no, die No, I bet fire. she bloody was. Absolutely, yeah, she wouldn't have that at all. But I think eventually the one in Blue Peter had 12 lit candles on it. No. 
with us straying into Christmas just a little bit, you remind me uh, something that I always I always enjoy uh, mm. thinking about, and and that is because on the on the dinner table on Christmas Day, the Queen always has. Um, a, a sprig, I suppose you'd call it, of the Glastonbury thorn, right? Mm. Which, which is a thorn bush that only grows in Glastonbury and Palestine. Mm. Which I find, you know, because then you go back through the whole legend that Jesus came to Glastonbury and and did and those things in ancient times and a bit of Blake as well. Oh, is it? I find that fascinating, though, the Glastonbury thorn. Uh, mm. But it's a far cry from Ronnie Allen marvelling at a, an orange. Oh, marvelling away, possibly after a little drink. Um, oh, that sounds splendid. The moment that you've got him talking about our Lord. And you think, you don't mean a word of this, Ronnie. Not at the time, anyway. May have been very devout. May have been it's a very devout how, man in some ways. It's amazing how strong liquor brings out the sort of the, the religion in some chaps, you know. It is strange, <laughs> isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a very odd one, actually. Because I think my first experience of wine must have been in church. Because... There's the old communion that we have. I mean, it's nothing like mass, obviously, but communion was always mm. a little little. Nip you must of have something. been high church. <laughs> I, it must have been high church to have all high that church. business in it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the Church just of a England, perfectly and then normal church. Uh, church of England, there's high church, which is sort of has pretensions toward the the sort of uh, the Eucharist, the Catholic sort of thing. You're talking well, about the Eucharist with communion. Well, yeah, this was, but this was sort of like heading towards Baptist church at the time, which, as I said the other week, led to drum kits and things like that. That one, oh God, no, dear, no, absolutely no, no, not. No, no, no. But I do remember that very clearly. <laughs> the, you know, the, the the little tot of wine, I'd rather liking it. Well, Father Lydon used to come down in the morning when we'd all be serving Mass. On mornings, cold winter mornings, you'd be sat there. You know what I mean? You'd just be in the vestments, which are quite thin. Um, mm. And Lydia, my granddad's cousin, she was his Mrs. Doyle. Uh, and, she, and she'd sort all the sort of the red and white vestments that we wore out. Um, and Father Lydon would come downstairs and sort of he'd grip the Belfast sink and then he'd he'd be on there was an opt I've told you this story I think I've told it on the podcast before and there was an optic on the wall a Bell's huge optic on the wall you know one of those big bottles that used to save pennies in in pubs yes and uh, and I just thought that was normal I actually thought that that was linked to the wine and the communion and stuff like that <laughs> because um, he'd come down first thing in the morning and just knock back three large tumblers of bells and then he was sort of you know he's quite benevolent then he was he was ready for he's ready to speak to the big fella you know (laughs) but they were interesting those nine o'clock was it nine or eight i think it was eight o'clock they used to do used to serve mass before school um i think it was 8 a.m they used to have a mass and there was sort of like you know only the sort of the most hardy um, village widow would be there, or, you know, sort of um, repentant adulterer. So it was a, it was an interesting crowd. There was only ever a couple in, like, you know. Oh, yeah. But but alcohol and uh, and Christianity, certainly, they do go hand in glove. I don't know why. Uh, they do, though, don't they? Yes. They, they do. They, certainly they Catholicism. Do very much. Yeah. You know. um, not, not so much, I suppose, with the Church of England, but certainly it was present. All the time, always sherry, present. Maybe a light sherry, sherry, sherry even song. I remember, I remember sherry afternoons at the house. Um, where, <laughs> at the house, Jesus, um, at my house, um, where my mum would have a lot of old women around, and they would have sherry, and everything got moved out the living room for some reason to make it this big open space with chairs around the outside, almost like they were trying to make a dance floor. Um, 
but they would just all sit on those chairs on the outside, or with hats on, always. Yes, yes, Hat yes. on, coat done up, sat, sat there having sherry. And I'd sometimes run in and run around the place in sort of quash-induced frenzy. Yeah. But never get any reaction at all, which I found huh, disappointing. We only ever had the had the priest come round. He used to come round every Sunday when my granddad was dying in bed in the front room. Um because that's what you used to do in the old days. You used to put a bed in the front room for any member of the family who would care to die in it. Um, mm. So so that was done. And he'd come round on a Sunday uh, and give me granddad the Eucharist because he couldn't get to Mass. He was, he was ill, he was dying. Uh, but my memory of it, my abiding memory of that, is that for that period of time, those few months where Father Kennedy came round, you know, we'd have Arctic roll on a Sunday instead of the usual homemade apple pie that we'd have and I was just sort of like you know, I was gutted when my granddad died because the arctic roll <laughs> went, do you know what I mean that was the end of it um, oh. so I still have this sort of Pavlovian association between the clergy and arctic roll that's really. an interesting one mm. so around, around this time of year, Sundays as I recall every every now and again, once a month, would suddenly turn into Vianetta days. Ooh, Vianetta. And, you couldn't get them for a quid was, in Iceland then. Oh, no, no, but the fact that it was a Vianetta sounded terribly... Nowadays, of course, it just sounds trash, but then, of yeah. course, Vianetta. Oh, Vianetta was a big deal. Oh, it really Vianetta, was. I remember yeah, I mean, it coming it was, out. Hmm, it was. It was, a really, it was a, a really big event, wasn't it? But no, we only had the Vianetta. Like I say, about one in every four Sundays, we'd we'd be treated to that. Yeah, it was generally homemade apple pie, which wasn't bad, but it mm. wasn't Arctic Roll, let's be honest. Because no. Arctic Roll, as I recall, was, I don't know about now, but it was certainly then, it was Walls. It was, it was and Walls. Walls Ice Cream. Do you remember when, did you ever used to get the Walls Ice Cream van come round? Because we used to get the Ice Cream van, but then occasionally the Walls one would come, and they did a square cone that went triangular at the oh, bottom. Oh, yes. And and you got a lump of ice cream wrapped in paper, a square lump. And it lump. fitted in perfectly, yeah. that's and right. Was, oh, yes. It was really solid and bitey, because uh, you used to get that soft whip, didn't you, with Fredericks or whatever. That, yeah. You but know. no, the Walls one, you're right, it was like a it proper squeaked. bar. Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh yeah, you could you could hear the gelatine in that ice yes, cream. Yes, indeed. That was, no, that was that was lovely. Arctic roll was a very lovely thing. I had one not too long ago. Mm. Mm. It had I gone a bit imagine. synthetic. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the the walls wagon as well? It did those Dracula lollies that yes, were black and then them. red in yeah. the middle. Were they? Yes, they were. They, they were. They, they banned Dracula them lollies because of the colour in them. <laughs> Give me a cancer or something like that. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Oh, I had a fair few of those. Oh, oh no. yeah. All that stuff. Funny feet, which also squeaked. And strawberry splits. But we're drifting from Halloween here. Uh, Dracula's brought us screaming back well, to Do you think Halloween. it's because neither of us have got that much experience of it that it doesn't mean that much? I mean, yeah. I've sort of created a thing for myself which Halloween means now. Yeah. Halloween means a glass of port. Yes. Some, something old on the telly. Yes. But I, that could be most nights however but yeah i don't know it feels like there's something missing that i should mark it with but i'm not quite sure what it is some sort of maybe it's a 
Maybe it's a druidic ceremony taking yeah. place in the in a graveyard or something. Well, but, I mean, where I grew up as well, St. James's, the Protestant graveyard, used to have a gravestone that apparently every Halloween the image of a skull appeared on it. So we went down there one Halloween and uh, it looked nothing like a skull. I think it was some kind of damp formation at this time of year, you know, when it got to a certain hour. Um, the the stone would become saturated or whatever. There was a dry spot on it. Um, mm. No, I mean it wasn't really that uh, much. But I mean the first thing that I remember them really going for it was Ghost Watch. That is the first thing that I recall. Yes, that they went for it with because I think it was Parky, who was, it a, was a big deal. Now, yes, well you see right right here on the on the being watched. Over the next day or so, uh, ah. shelf is there's Ghost Watch. So it is. It's uh, it's Parky with uh, Mike Smith. Good old Mike Smith. Smithy. Good old Mike Smith. Uh, He's dead, isn't he? He he is. He had yeah. uh, he had a heart operation. He didn't pull through it. Um, wow. Poor Sarah Green. Um, oh, were they still also... together then? Oh, they were married. Yeah, which was. Right, okay. um, I think if you got it through that, remember that helicopter crash? Yeah, there? that was mad, wasn't it? Yeah, and like Christ, nearly killed them both. So yeah, Isn't then that they Noel got Edmund's married. Fault. I don't think that one was. I don't think we can blame him directly for that no. one. There are other things. Yes. There are other th- well, I remember yes. in Bottom, they were, they were, Eddie's complaining, isn't he, on the Christmas special at Bottom where um, Richie wants him to do something, and he's just sat watching the telly, and he's saying, but it's Noel's family Christmas accident next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because do you remember the whirly wheel that they used to have? Not Is that really. a ring of- Right. Right. This the late, late, late- breath- the yep. Late Late Breakfast Show, where every single week they'd bring out the whirly wheel and they'd spin it. And depending on where it stopped, there would be a different challenge. And you had to uh, phone in and they'd spin the whirly wheel and they'd say, next week you are riding the wall of death or something like that. Right. And then one week this, blow, uh, this bloke phoned in and they spin the whirly wheel and they give him his challenge. And then he died during training for it the next week. Fucking hell. Yeah, um, and that was the end of the late late breakfast show, as I recall. They cancelled it, but yeah, wasn't there Michael a guy in a something. box who got dropped from a great height and got killed? That's the sort of thing. Hang on, I'm going to allow myself a little Google okay. here. Um, I'm tempted to I say it was it Stuart Lubbock, news. but it wasn't. Don't no no it no. Wasn't, he's the no. Barrymore fella. That's right. Yeah. So hang on, let's have a look. Late late breakfast show. Death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shocking, yeah, but the, hey. The Give It a Whirl segment, it was called. Right. Michael Lush was his name. There you go. I was uh, nearly there. Yeah, Michael Lush. So, oh, hang on. There's a lot of controversy. We've got a video of Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson caused controversy. Oh, dear. Um, oh, there were. Right. Okay. So the, the BBC was twice threatened with legal action by right. the health and safety executive from this. Um, September the 10th, 1983, stunt driver Richard Smith fractured his pelvis and injured Oof. his head, neck and back after crashing at 140 miles an hour. That'd do Ooh, it. Oh dear, during one stunt. But then, 13th of November, 1986. You, you got it. Volunteer yeah. Michael Lush was killed during his first rehearsal. The stunt called Hang 'em High <laughs> in, <laughs> involved bungee jumping from an exploding box... Suspended from a hundred and twenty foot crane, so he's not just bungee jumping. He's going to bungee jump out of a box full of TNT. What Um, what do you expect is going to happen? 
There. Well, you'll be surprised to learn he died instantly of multiple injuries. No um, shit. Uh, Edmonds resigned, saying he didn't have the heart to carry on. Oh, aye. Under legal yeah. advice, no doubt. Yes, there we go. So, but yeah, I remember... Why did we get onto the Late Late Breakfast show? Where's that come from? Uh, Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch, thank you. Um, Ghost Watch, of course, is the precursor to Most Haunted. Most yeah. Haunted has yeah. very clearly sort of taken what Ghost Watch was and then taken away the script element and gone for the more documentary approach. Um, it's... God, it's good, Ghost Watch. It is, and it did genuinely freak me out at the time. Mr. Pipes. Uh, was there was a lot of, of angry people, as I recall. There were. Well, there were a number of people, or I say a number, I'm not sure, maybe one. Uh, but certainly there were a couple of suicides related were to Ghost Watch. There were, Fucking yeah. Fucking hell. Um, so Ghost Watch, and I'm open to be corrected here, but if I'm right, then Ghost Watch has been marked by the BBC never, ever to be broadcast again. Bumpf. It can't wow. be broadcast uh, because of that. Um, they've released it on DVD, which is jolly good of them. Um, but yeah, you won't see it uh, because of the controversy around it. And it was um, the fear at the end of Sarah Green going under the stairs where there's just noises of cats and then suddenly the door slams shut. I can't tell you. <coughs> I think I was 17 when it went out, but that was enough to make me go, Oh no! Yeah. No, no, no! We don't yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, so there you go. So it's kind of mid eighties, isn't it? It's the sort of the Juliet Bravo that you don't like to watch. Was that a Halloween job? That was Halloween. It's called Halloween, and it's about Halloween. It's, it's a full Halloween. Halloween job, which, for those of you who can't recall, features Tony and Holt, normally in lovely things. Yeah. So don't be fooled. Tony and Holt sat at a desk with an over-the-shoulder shot whilst he's just chanting. And his chanting attracts a young woman into the forest so he can do nefarious things to her. Absolutely not. I'm never... No. I've tried. I have actually tried to watch it. I've tried fooling myself, right, with uh, Juliet Bravo by putting some on a disc and then selecting random play. But I can hear... I can hear it. You know what I mean? When you look at the opening titles of certain shows yes. and you go, oh, the, the film's shagged. This must be from series three. Yeah. I think that that episode's got a particular look because even when I've gone random play, I can tell when that episode comes on. I can't. Absolutely wow. not. No. Well, we we must watch it. Um, as well as that, there's the... There's Why do you the... want to do that to me? Well, I've just said I absolutely can't. No, 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 we shall watch it. I'll hold your hand. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, Jesus uh, There's Christ. the Bergerac as well, Flowers in the Fall. Which is is very spooky. That's another yeah. one. That's so another, they were doing no some stuff, weren't they? Mm. Well, they was... were, but the BBC's always had that sort of side to it. Whether they were talking about the ghost stories for Christmas or mm. some of the plays for today's, like Robin Redbreast and Redshift, and I don't know if Pender's Wank goes across <laughs> this sort of thing. Particularly. I love Pender's Wank. I know. <laughs> I'm going to really try and watch good. it again this week. Brilliant. I'm going to try. It's very Just good. Spencer Wanks. But they were <sighs> trying to make some stuff yeah. around the time that was still playing on that sort of that our mythical side. Which yeah. I think that mythical side, the old myths that that Jack Hargreaves would have known, they seem now to have just been diluted by this influx of commercialized Halloween. And it's, well, yeah, it's yeah. You've reminded me actually of the film Halloween. 
you know mm. that was that was sort of the the thing that i think the success of that in this country probably is what started a lot off they used to start they used to show that didn't they on halloween mm, they did um haven't watched I, it i can't recall it really i know that there's um isn't there one of these Jason or Freddy or something in it? Michael Miles Myers? Oh no, he's fucking Austin Powers, isn't he? Um, Hang on. Friday the thirteenth is Jason. Is it Michael Miles take your pick? <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one? So you've got you've got the Kruger, the Freddy Kruger, that's Nightmare on Elm Street. So yeah. It was is it Michael Myers or something? I think it must be Michael Myers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Just, it is the Austin Powers name, fella. Yeah, chat with a gun, uh, with a knife. I don't know. Yeah, it's also tiresome, isn't it, really? It, it I is. remember, um, what's her name? Jamie, Luke, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, maybe not the first one, but when she's, because she got longer in the first one. Hmm. Uh, in one, it must be Halloween 2 or something where she got the shot her. and I remember being a sort of 13 year old boy and being like cool. I couldn't take my eyes off her in it because she's yeah. gorgeous uh, in uh, what's it trading places as well hmm. where she strips off in the flat young hmm. boy films when one is a young chap watching these films like uh, like the carry-ons were I suppose for us you know Pausing the uh, the keep fit bit and carry on camping. Oh yes, I remember trying to do that and get the fuzzy VHS. Image. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Not so much worked. the Halloween films. I don't remember. Were they shown on telly particularly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, and of course, was it Halloween three or four that Nigel Neal wrote the first three. draft that for, was, which is completely different to the rest of them. Mm. Yeah, that was not that was Michael Halloween Myers. three, yeah. but. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I think these must have been shown on ITV. Oh, no, dear. No, no, no. They're no? a BBC job, these. Oh, good Lord. No, no, I wasn't allowed yes. to watch these then. No, I didn't see these. And I still no. haven't. No. But at some point, I may well give it a go. They're not great. I mean, to be honest with you, if I was, if I was to choose a Halloween Eve playlist, hmm. I would very much focus on Amicus and uh, BBC productions from the 70s. Well, the suspense is the key thing, isn't it? That's yeah. what works. That's it's the suspense and the story. And whenever I've seen any of these, I saw one of these programs, films. Was it Hostel or oh, something God, like that? No, that's just like people getting chopped up in it. Yes, it was. Oh, no. right. Now, what's going on there? There, there no. wasn't much of a plot. Some people go to a hostel and somebody chops them up, and that was no. it. No, I, I don't like those kinds of films. No, there's nothing there. There was no plot. There's no story. There's no. little suspense. Because the moment you go, oh, is something going to... Oh, they've already chopped his hands off. Uh, yes. Uh, there's another one like that, isn't there? The Saw. Oh, yes. They're like them. Horrible. Called... Horrible. Now, and that one, I believe that the, uh, the the bad guy is called Jigsaw. Not scurry at all. However, as we all know, Mr. Nosy Bonk from Jigsaw. Yes. Put him in one of those films. I'd shit myself. Yeah, that would be good. That would work. That would yes, be brilliant. That would be good. No, we I must find I think, out if Clive Doig wants to sell the rights. Yes, I, I think you've got to stay on this side of the Atlantic firmly if you're going to put mm. together a Halloween uh, watch list. Yes. Um, there's, there's, there's a really good. Actually, I suppose it was made in America, uh, but there's a really good uh, half-hour horror thing with Peter O'Toole in called The Banshee or something. Have you ever seen that? I've got that 
on on a drive somewhere and I haven't watched it yet. Mm. Or you may have given me that to yeah, watch and I haven't seen it yet. It's definitely it's one of these things that used to ch- turn up on the sci-fi channel. Mm. What I didn't know, because after talking about Anthony Reid last time, uh, where we were discussing his work on the Baker Street Boys and the Wilmer Holmes and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, First of all, he died in 2015, so rest in peace, uh, Mr. Reid. So he switched from script writing to producer for about five years in the early 70s and produced the Lotus Eaters. So there's there's one for you. Oh, that's a a very nice thing. And he... um, he was script editor on all the Hammer House of Horror series as well. I mean, when you read his catalogue, it's prolific. It's mm. unbelievable. And he um, he took a demotion to take the Doctor Who job. From now, producer take it, I wonder why he just he wanted took to it. do it. Just wanted Fair to do enough. it. Yeah. He was a big now, champion of Douglas Adams, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But thinking about it, the, the Lotus Eaters was inspired by him um, going out to Crete. Um, well, he think... set up a theatre company with Ian Hendry in the 50s. I didn't know this. And they toured East Europe, getting thoroughly sloshed and having a ball. Right. Okay, that would explain life it. story. Brilliant oh, life story. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So then you get the, the whole thing with the Lotus Eaters, and he's out in Crease, and he just thinks, this is nice, let's film something out here. And he brings Hendry out again. And from what I can gather, it seems like it was just the 1950s all over again. Because, yeah. of course, uh, very famously, uh, Henry would get absolutely arseholed the day, every night and sometimes refuse to go to bed. And uh, Wanda Ventham was always asked by Reed, um, can you go and get Ian to go to bed? And she'd say, well, why me? You're the only one Ian won't punch, dear. So, but, oh, yeah, it's amazing, that programme, because there are days... On certain episodes, you can hear the hangover in the voice. Oh, he was a hear the proper bad pisshead, though. Oh, yeah. But you can't he hear was. the beer. You can hear the hangover, and it's here somewhere yeah. deep in the esophagus. Yeah, about so. 100 fags as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. He's never sure of just lighting up on set proper, you know, hoofing yeah, them. Absolutely. Yeah, hoofing. yeah. But, yeah, Anthony Reid, very nice. Now, of course, Anthony Reid also... Was it script editor or producer of Chucky? Oh, um, God, right, that's the other thing. So the Wyndham estate said mm-hmm. that that was the only adaptation of Wyndham's work that was actually did the work justice. That's interesting. So presumably that's why they gave him the rights to do the next two series, yeah. which weren't anything to do with the original. Then, no. But, uh, so, but, uh, but the Baker Street Boys won a scriptwriter's Guild Award, mm. but they only ever made one series of it. Interesting. Was it one series of 13? I think it probably is, yeah, because they, the, the, they released them because they were each two-parters. Right. So each story was two parts. I think it may have been ten episodes. I'm not sure. And okay. so um, they're all, the ones I've got at least, are like these omnibuses, they're all right. joined together as one. Um, but it's strange to win an award and not make any more. I mean, by the end of it, Adam Woodyat, Shiner, he was yeah. already in EastEnders, so... So maybe it's something like that. It could that. also be, I mean, it, was it made as a children's programme? Yeah. Right, because you do start to get, around that time, you, you do start to get a drop-off in drama being mm. made by children's ITV for kids. 
Um, It's not followed by the BBC for a good couple of years, but Children's ITV already, by that mid-80s point, we've gone past the Tomorrow People and Chocky and Time Slip and all that, and all of a sudden, we're getting less and less. We still get a series of Children's Ward every bloody year, till the mid-90s. But, no, you you seem to get less of this unusual drama. And it's a shame because, oh, something that I do watch um, quite often at this time of year is The Owl Service. Oh, yeah. Now, I absolutely love that. So that's 1968 or 69, but it was the first Granada colour production. And Alan Garner's work. Now, there's a man who understands what Halloween is, and there's no no commercialisation at all with Alan Garner. There's that understanding of nature, and that understanding of landscape. And if you bring yeah. those two together with modernity, it clashes. And it's oh, those yeah. clashes which I think Garner writes perfectly. Which, that for me is what the spirit of Halloween should be. It's about those those moments where we take on nature. Because we know we'll always lose. Indeed. Always. Um, I'll tell you what's good for... Um, thingy, for that. Um, mm. Is casting the runes. Right. Have you ever seen that? Well, no, it's being recommended to me that I don't, bizarrely, oh. because uh, M.R. James, so you go, lovely, Casting yes. Runes, lovely, 1970s television, lovely, but it's a, L, is it LWT? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. And I've been advised that it's not very good, but I've always thought it probably is. Ian Cuthbertson. This is what I was thinking. Jan Francis. Oh, hello. Oh, it's Brill. I love it because it was filmed in that winter of 1979. So it's it's completely, it starts off with like a proper snow clad field. Um, I thought it was great, but I mean, it's definitely a Sunday night vibe. You know, it feels Mm. like a Sunday night thing. But no, the way that, sorry. No, go on, go on. It's just the way that, I like the way that technology's used in it. You know, even though it was only 70s technology. But Mm. the way that, what was broadcast, right? I don't want to spoil this for you, but when she goes to review the recording, the tape of the show, because right. something um, happened, I'm trying not to spoil this, um, it's gone from the tape. Nobody's edited it. It's just gone from the tape. So it's kind of uh, things like that I like. I like little touches Ooh. like that because it, 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 there's definitely something that's supernatural. Right. Oh, that does uh, sound good. Mm. It's right, when she goes to review that. the tape that it's really okay. she gets freaked out because it's like, hang on a minute, where's that gone? I know that what went out. I know the show that went out. Right. Um, and her producer thinks she's fucking around. It's like, no, it's gone. It's it's disappeared out of the show. Oh blimey. Yeah, so right, things okay. like that are nice. Ordering uh, starring Edward Petherbridge. Lovely. Well, you don't need to order it, I'll send it you. No, I want it. It's one of those, I want this. I've waited for far too long and people have lied to me and told me not to get it. Well, I like it. I don't know about... uh, So what, you you buy that on its own? Yeah, you can buy that on its own. £5.66. That's all right. I'm happy with that. You know, let's give this a go. No. Just that? Just that. I think he's good. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, Um, bless you. (laughs) I think he's good as well in that uh, era. Hmm. Um... Is it quiet as a nun that's a Jemima Shaw as well? Yes. I have a friend. I have a friend who has a pathological fear of this piece of television. Oh, it's terrifying. I remember seeing it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, still now, she's 50. 
Yeah. Terrified. Absolutely yeah. terrified. Because the nun's at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. in a in a room. Mm-hmm. And this has led to a, a lifelong... It's a genuine phobia that I've seen in action in the street. Of, of nuns, nuns with no faces. Full stop. Well, not with no faces. Now it's just nuns. Any yeah. nun. And she's terrified. Absolutely terrified. There's a audience. bit where there's the nun... Because they've got no faces, so they're just empty habits. Mm. Um, no pun intended. And there's a scene where... I remember it distinctly. Because they repeated them in the afternoon. It's an armchair thriller, I think. That's it. It is, uh, yeah. And that used to fucking frighten me enough. The shadow moving across the bloody armchair. Oh, um, yes. But these are one of the things that, like I was describing my when I didn't go into school, they showed them in the afternoon. Um... And I remember that one quite as a nun. And I I must watch it to see if this is actually a true memory. So in my memory, there's a nun with no face sat in a a rocking chair uh, Mm -hmm. behind bars in like a a cell or a dungeon or something. Yes. Is that correct? Well, this certainly correlates with what my mate Jules is scared of precisely. She's got this mental It was terrifying, mate. It was Mm. absolutely terrifying. I don't know where that's from, the nuns with no faces. It's 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 something that goes way back in horror fiction. It's not it's not a what was it? Is it P. D. James Jemima Shaw? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, it's something that goes way back in fiction. Fucking hell, it's well terrifying. It's well terrifying. I mean, I I wouldn't watch it now. To be honest with you, (laughs) I, I I think your friend's absolutely right. Some of those armchair thrillers were. Scary, you mm. know, they really yeah. tapped into you know, you were talking about earlier about people how we have this race memory of things to be afraid of, like war yeah. and floods and stuff like that. Well, there's a reason why so many of us are afraid of heights and spiders and snakes because our ancestors who weren't they got bitten and died and didn't have any children, you know That's what I mean? It. So, so Dar- the Darwinism or whatever you want to call it, the Darwin factor sort of removes them from the gene pool, doesn't it? It does, but I wonder if we also have some sort of a peculiar race memory that's sort of from a lot more recent times when the church was all powerful, and maybe. Yeah. So I'm maybe sure, that's sure why. I mean, these to dress all in black, yes. dressing all in black. I mean, Jesus Christ! <laughs> no pun intended. You know, what I mean, it's kind of like that. I never understood that. I never understood that. But then you've got to understand what is it? The sumptuary laws. Or something. Yeah, you, well, you've got the sumptuary laws, uh, which would have affected the clergy, which are basically when, depending on your role in society, it dictated what colours you could wear. So nobody, nobody could wear purple unless they were the monarchy. Yeah. Uh, then there were certain colours that nobility could wear, certain colours that your, your serf equivalents would wear. Um and and there was you know middle class colours so it, some of it went on income what income you were on yeah 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 and it was it very definitely sort of like dictated what you could wear and Do when it comes status. to the church though yeah absolutely but when it comes to the church I wonder if it's more that you know black is first of all quite imposing which is mm. never a bad thing. But also if it's to do with the fact that you're trying to show that you've got nothing, you've got no girish colours. Probably. Probably, it's Probably yeah. a bit of that there as well. Well, so they're, I've, they're I've, the same mass, though. I mean, they're in the robes, aren't they, with the bloody... I don't know about your lot, but our lot have got the, you know, the big sort of sash around the neck, like the very... the gold-edged thing and all that. They're very oh, brightly coloured when they're doing mass. Yeah, oh, no, it's beautiful. I mean, there's a, there's something beautiful about watching a, cer- a ceremony like that. But no, certainly in, in my case, no, it was... It was black all the way. Oh, and right, during the during the actual ceremony. 
Oh, yeah, during the lot. It right. was exactly the same sort of vicar's get-up, uh, that Mr. Magister style sort of, uh, of dressing. Right. It was okay. exactly that. So, no, there wasn't anything. It was, it was austere. Church was always austere. And I do remember being quite jealous of the look of Catholic churches when I'd been into them, you know, because they yeah. looked sparkly, you know, mm. and, and there was that whole thing of actually be unashamed wealth mm. is what it would look like. Yeah. And whereas I was being given a, an orange with a candle stuck in it. All <laughs> that. I'd all love that. that was, oh, yeah. But, I mean, it was great. But there was there was a bit of envy, I have to say, that I, I quite liked the look of all the ceremonies. And when I heard that mass goes on for hours. Oh, but all God, I could yeah. think is, I'd be in costume. It would be a performance. There was True. That, it, it appealed to me in that way. As it an altar appeal. boy, it was that you were on stage and you were in costume and you got to sort of, you know, shake the tabernacle when the priest lifted the chalice up, you know. And so I remember sitting at the back of the church as a kid and whenever he lifted the chalice up, you'd hear the, you know, the, the thing ringing. And you were like, wow, it, it was stagecraft, you know. I mean, you couldn't see where it came from. I asked my mum, where, where's that noise coming from? And she said, oh, it's Jesus, that. Um, because obviously she'd have never been an altar boy, so she probably did think that it was Jesus. Um, Mm. But yeah, so when you got to sort of see behind the curtain and it was like, right, at this point in the mass, you ring this bell and da-da-da. And you were on your knees, so there were three of you at the front of the... So you had the the, the altar, the risen altar. Um, No, the altar was the thing he stood behind, like the table thing. Anyway, you had like the raised bit. Yeah. And then there was the table that he had all his gear on, like the chalice and... Uh, the the communion and the wine and all that stuff, the Eucharist. And uh, in front of that, there were three chairs, and we'd kneel in front of one each, three of us. And then the one in the middle, underneath the chair, you'd have the sort of the bet, I think they're called a tabernacle, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, um, so you'd have that, and when he lifted up, the, you know, this is the body of our Lord, which we raised to you and all men, give it up for you, and then you go, ding, ling, 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 you know what I mean? You'd ring the bell, like, so no one could see it. So that that was very appealing, yeah, yeah, yeah. very appealing. Oh, no, that's, yeah, there's a real appeal to that to me, whereas, I, yeah. as I say, I mean, I was, have I told you about my first ever strop as an actor? Because no. that's church related. Um, that was that was um, that was for a nativity play, um, which didn't get a proper rehearsal. And I I was about eight. <laughs> right, I was about I eight. Just I just see you now, right? I, well, I remember thinking this is under rehearsed. We hadn't had one run through, and it was the nativity. This whole production's and... going to be a fiasco. Well, it Shut was. Your head it was off. a. Comp- it was a complete fiasco. I didn't agree with the casting for a start. Uh, although I was quite happy that I got the role of Herod. So I thought I didn't have script approval. I don't uh, know. (laughs) (laughs) Got the role of Herod though, and I'm like, okay, yes, Herod. I like that idea. Um, And then when it came to the one and only performance, it was suddenly realised that Christ, this play has been going on a bit. It's been going on for over half an hour. (laughs) Nobody wants to be here, and all of a sudden they just jumped to the end, and it's like, no, where's Herod? Where's Herod? Oh, you mean sat there? No, I was sat in costume. In bloody costume, complete with a frigging crown, no. and we just jumped past Herod. And I think that was when my love of Jesus and the church started to fade. I'm still angry about that now. That must be about 40 years later. I'm still cross about that. They literally just jumped at the last third of the story. I had this dramatic point worked out where I was going to swoop a point, but I had a cloak, so it would unhur- it unfurl the cloak as I pointed. <laughs> Fuck all. Nothing. I'm so... 
The Reverend Brown. He is now brown bread. Good. Not I happy. would be just. I would. Well, I wouldn't be asked now, but I would have been just as pissed off back then. Imagine back oh, then. Oh, gutted. Oh, furious. How I can was... you have the story and you go, let's not have Herod, let's not have the villain? Ridiculous. They just they made it shit. They just wanted to get the pub or something. They just wanted to get home. That's all it was. They weren't asked. Oh, you see, I played Joseph, cross. so I was all right. I, I managed to I managed to uh, hold Joanne Ooh. Ranson's hand for a, a good hour. Oh, whatever. You and your was. lead roles. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. I, was I never made it. Though. I got I got Herod another year. I got the Angel of Death. <laughs> and and I presume nice. the Angel of Death wasn't cut. The Angel of Death wasn't cut, which is quite good actually, because I perfected a special walk, which I based after seeing one black and white photograph of Bok from the demons stood super. in the cave with his hands like Absolutely that. Absolutely super. So I perfected a special walk for that and um, that, that that went down rather well. I was rather happy after my angel of death to get my herod out for the public. No! Yes, Nobody so the, saw it. So you kept the agent on after that as they got oh. you the, the other role. I was made a diddy man the year after because we didn't have a, a, a nativity. I wanted the role of Ken Dodd. Now I look back, I see that they couldn't give the same kid the the lead in uh, a couple of years running, obviously. Mm. But when you're a kid, you sort of like, oh right, I must I must be shitter than I was last year or something. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, fucking Diddy man, I don't know why the hell they wanted to do that. Oh um, no, that's awful. Yes, it was awful as well. And is this for Christmas? Cause yes. Oh no, no nativity, nativity, absolutely. And I think- there's nothing wrong with playing, you know, Joseph several years on the road. You could still be doing it now as traditional. I could, I could. could still I? be playing the role. I remember Absolutely. That, I remember that during <laughs> one of the uh, rehearsals, I went round to Smethers' shop and got a bag of sherbet and a Kojak lolly. Oh, oh, yeah, they were the days, mate. That does sound good. Well, I've just heard as well that my old news agents that I always went to and got the comics from yeah. and occasionally it's closed and it's become a grocer's. Uh, that was yeah. open till last year, and then it, it went, and it was run. You'd have loved it. It was run exclusively by old widows. Wow. That was it. And they, they had this old widow smell that I can't quite place. No. But there were about four of them, and they all went to church, so the shop was never open on a Sunday morning, but it would open briefly after lunch. Um, and just these these tiny little women who... I think hated each other. It felt like there was a real power struggle, you know, for actually who was in charge of the shop. Right. I think maybe they bought equal shares when the husbands had died, but there was just this animosity that when you went in there. And there was one that particularly took a liking to me because I was short and all that sort of stuff. And she'd always have a chat with me. And therefore, there was another one who was tall and reminded me of a crow who just hated me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> despised me and once deliberately ripped the front cover of my Beano when I went to no. pick it up. I saw her do it. Right? She put one oh. hand down on it as she went to pick it up and then there was a rip and she just went, whoops, well, you'll still be able to read it. Horrible. Absolutely Awful. horrible. I bet she Awful. had size nine feet. She did have big feet. Yeah, yeah. One there was a woman on the corner of our street floor turner like that. She had massive, massive bloody feet. And she mm. used to have them in sandals with American tan tights and loads of corn plasters under the tights, you know? Mm. Yes. I used to go for a tights for her from the shop. 
Um, but we had a number of great old little shops like that. They were proper like Charles Dickens, the shops where I grew up. There was Smethurst's. There was mm. one over the road that sold a cig and a match for 5p to some of the naughty boys, not me. But, um, yeah. I can't remember the name of that one. And then there was Peter Ignitz. There was Ignitz because his old ma, she was long dead. Peter Ignitz wore one of the most obvious wigs I've ever seen in all my life. It was proper drip-dry nylon. Um <laughs> So there was, yeah, we had a number of those little shops. They were great, weren't they? Mm. They were great. Tiny little independent shops. We had one called Tumbles, which was sort of a toy shop. But outside they had all the seven-inch singles that uh, yeah. I think they'd harvested them from jukeboxes in pubs because yeah, they yeah. all had the centre pushed yeah. out. Um, and you could get almost anything there, but I recall getting an awful lot of Buck's Fizz. Yeah, yeah. Those those jukebox jukebox singles were a, a great thing. I used to have loads of them. I used to they have are, a they, lot of them. They are wonderful. Well, I, I spotted something the other day, and I've hidden it. This will lead on to my nice thing. Um, I've done a little bit of charity shopping over yeah. the last day or so, and I spotted what looked like books that were in the... Um, in, in with the records. They look like photograph albums, but they're not. You open it up and it's individual sleeves of seven-inch singles from the 1950s. And there's a contents page and someone's handwritten in the name of each record. Wow. And there's Elvis Presley and all sorts in there. And I was in there and I suddenly I looked at the price. And these books with about 15 singles in each, five are each. Well, so I've hidden them. Uh, in the shop, and I'll be going back to reclaim them because. Ah, well, are you sure you've hidden them well enough? I've Can hidden you just them. Just ask on a them very... to keep hold of them. Oh, they won't do that. They won't oh. do that in the charity shops around here at all. No, it, you. It's you look at them and you ask them for that, and it's like you've said, "Can I poison you?" They don't like it at all. Right. But they've got on a very high shelf, so I think I'm all right. Out of the way of the biddies. Yeah, that's the idea. But anyway, so I did pick up a, a couple of nice things. Now look at these. Look at this. Here we go. First of all, we've got nice. Humphrey Littleton. There he is. Uh, me and Buck. Uh, that's absolutely beautiful. Then we picked up, um, what's this? This is uh, Zoot Sims and Al Cohn performing live in London. Wow. Lovely. Uh, then we've got, there uh, we go, Buck Clayton. Lovely stuff. And these nice. are in mint condition. And a spot of Duke Ellington. Ellington oh, yeah. Showcase. So we've got some lovely things there. You know what the nicest thing was? Was um, I had a chat with an old fella called Arthur. Right. Uh, whilst I was going through the books. And it, proper sort of like old school sort of gent. Looked about, like he was about 77. Flower in the jacket. Yeah. Just chatting away about records. And his wife was stood behind him just waiting very patiently. Whilst he talked to me about the, the importance of balancing the record and the importance of the correct stylus for the correct record. Just one of those lovely, deeply knowledgeable chaps. Uh, chaps. Uh, it's a lovely chat. And then, and then his wife just went like that. And he turned around and went, oh, you're getting bored. And she went... <laughs> and, then he looked, and then he looked at me and he just went... It's Alzheimer's. And I thought, Aww. oh, God love you. But apparently he brings her down to the town every week and then he looks for old records uh, that might trigger some memories in oh, her. Oh, bless. Hopefully it wasn't going to be Humphrey Littleton because I'd already got those. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't having that. He yeah, that. yeah. I mean, she's nice, governor and all that, but, you know, but, fair's fair. Yeah, there's a limit, isn't there? Got to yeah. be a limit. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, got any nice be. things this week to talk about? Um, I haven't, you know. I mean... um. 
I suppose it is classed as a nice thing, but it's not arrived yet, so I'm not. I can't talk about things that haven't arrived, really. Well, yeah, and, and also we I can't thought... really talk about something else yet, can we? But I suspect we're going to be talking about something on the podcast over the next few weeks. Um, let's just bring ah, that into shot. Of course, we are. Yes, the roundel. Yeah. Yes. Now, Michael and I are doing a little bit of a social experiment of our own here in uh, theatre context. Well, TV yes. context. Yes, yes. Um, to, do with, to do with roundels and Daleks, but we'll be talking about that. Maybe Absolutely. once we've seen it's not a total disaster. Yes, sense. yes, yes. Once it's a roaring success, we shall talk roaring about Roaring success. It. Rather like nice things is, because what are we? We are number 51. In Ghana. In Ghana, Absolutely. we are the 50... 50... <laughs> Those Ghanaians have got some taste. They have. The 51st most popular podcast in the arts arts and culture downloads in Ghana. So You can't say further than that. You really can't say further than that. I don't know what they see in it, but I'm glad you're here. Well, yes, yes. And and hello to all our friends in Ghana. Um, (laughs) You know, obviously, um, maybe they're still showing the old telly because... Wasn't there a rumour they were still showing old Doctor Who out in... Where was it in Africa? God, was it Ghana, I think? Someone came back and um, they made a joke on a chat show saying that their TV is so so backwards and old that Patrick Troughton's still Doctor Who. Right. And then this TV station was contacted and uh, at first (laughs) denied that they'd ever done such a thing. But when they were told, look, we're not worried because obviously you should have paid repeat fees. Don't worry about that. Suddenly they were one of the ones who went, well, yes, we've got these and handed them back. And yeah, they were indeed still showing. So if if any of our listeners from Ghana would like to check behind the sofa or check the attic and see if you've got any lovely 16 mil film canisters, that would be lovely. Yeah, Marco Polo would be nice. Don't tell the uh, Philip Morris fella, you know, just just come, come straight to us. That's, Straight that's to us, we'll best. see you, right? Absolutely, yes, we'll see you. We right. shan't hide it. Well, I don't know if they count as Halloween memories, dear boy, but the, that's that's your lot, mate. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? We don't seem to have many. Just no, strange. No, I remember my egg box graveyard, yeah. which was was nice to remember. Uh, you remember Ghost Watch, being um, scared of to Ghost Watch, and then being told I couldn't go to Cubs because they were doing apple ducking. Yes, yeah. yes, a bit like the Orkneys when there was all that oh, child abuse thing going on. Well, that's it. The moment that that stuff was kicking off in the Orkneys, that seemed to filter down through the church, well, through the C of E network, quite quickly. And all of a sudden, there was that real deep fear of anything to do with witchcraft or Satanism. So, Wasn't there a yeah. Bergerac or a Juliet Bravo about all that stuff? I think so. I think it was a Bergerac. Yeah, I think. there was some it wasn't there. But like like I've said before, even Crossroads had its witchcraft story. Yeah, like. that's we, right. Yeah. We weren't scared to take that stuff on for a while, but then when all that didn't happen in the Orkneys, as we've since discovered, of yeah. course, all of a sudden people got just a little bit twitchy about it. I think there was still a, a legacy of believing in witches and stuff like that in the 80s. I think we still had that. I mean, I think it could happen again if the telly told enough people that it was going on. I think it could, but then <sighs> I think that there's always been in this country, you know, that in the rural parts of the country, those old traditions, that the old magic, it's still there. And well, I'm you say that. I mean, having lived in a village in the middle of uh, the countryside, it's all mm. posh people. 
all those sort of all those the the people you talk about the sort mm. of you know the actual locals they're all in the nearest town they can't afford to live around there no you know that's no. the trouble with it it's it's kind of like it's all posh people so the mm. minute that someone like me lives there as soon as i open my mouth it's like oh <laughs> how horrid yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's a bit like in Steptoe when they buy the posh house and they get offered five grand to not buy it or something. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be nice to think so. It hmm. certainly would be nice to think. But there's very few locals left in these places and the, their descendants can't afford to stay. No. The agricultural jobs have all gone. You know? Yep. I don't know if there is anywhere that could potentially still be like that. No idea. No. I think idea. what you'd have to do, you'd have to look far north of Scotland and find someone setting something up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they well, could put some thatched roofs on Scarabray and we could all move out there and, you know, live that life. That wouldn't be so bad. Aside from the fact, you know, no electricity and I want yes. to watch the telly. So. Yes. You'd have to have the wife on an exercise bike with a belt you'd that have powered to have it all a telly. Oh, yeah. It would be. No. No, I, in no. fact, no, I've changed my mind. I don't want to live in the Dark Ages. Thank you. No, you see, it's that balance to be struck, isn't it? It's, mm, it's, nice, it's nice so to visit, nice. Not to live. I think the zenith of human civilization was 1974. Well, my conception occurred, so... There you go. There we are. Okay. There case, you go. case proved. No, go yeah. on. Why? Why? 74. I think that we had the right balance of technology... Uh, I think that we had equity. Um, I think that from the mid seventies onwards, th- the the sort of the rot starts to set in, doesn't it? You know, um, you get a lot more, um, a lot more power concentrated in a lot fewer hands. Whereby mm-hmm. I think there was still quite easy back then to for people like well me certainly I don't know about you posh boy but it was certainly easier for the working class to literally go right I am going to be the most famous actor in the country and many people could do it and that's kind of like a you know a, a very obvious show busy example but I think that I think it was a lot easier then to do things like that i just think people were a lot more upwardly mobile i don't well, think that life cost as much no i'd agree with that i mean certainly and culture these was days, great music was yeah, great telly was great it was but of course these days we're, we're shelling out for so many different services which people didn't used to have to we may bemoan the tv license but that's all there was these days there's that there's netflix there's amazon yeah. there's spotify you've got to pay for all these individual sources so yeah, disposable income wise, that's probably where a lot yeah. of the problem lies. I think it's tax a, it's was a, a lot shame. lower. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. <coughs> but um, if I were to choose anywhere, seventy four, because then you've still you've got colour TV. Well, you have yes. You know, you've got colour TV. We haven't had the microchip revolution. Nope. I think that's where it went wrong. Tales from Topographic Oceans is riding high in the album charts. <laughs> You know, we are. Um, what more could you want? Maybe 1974 is a very nice year. 74 is a great year, and on that beautiful, lovely thought, hmm. um, I think we can wrap and say Happy Halloween to you all. Happy Halloween, yes. 
and uh, ha- have a lovely time and uh, get some decent British horror on. I'm sure yes. that um, if you go and have a look on at Nice Things Show and at P Carmichael VO, you will see many, many recommendations for your watches oh, you on the will. evening. You will. Um, and until the next time, bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.